Thank you. You can be seated if you want to. You can stay where you are if you want to. It's up to you. You're free in here to worship God. We don't follow structure. We have an order, but we don't follow. We listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our director. He's our composer for a symphony of his love. I'm so undone by who he is. Can I say this to you? If what I said this morning, if when I speak these things, if they're foreign to you, don't resist that and stand at a distance and say, well, I don't understand. That's all foreign to me. It it doesn't land on my heart. Then understand that if that seems so foreign to you, the love of God, this relationship with God, the encounter of God, then realize you have somewhere deeper to go and celebrate that. That you have something deeper to achieve and that you can arrive at that. It doesn't need to be foreign to you. Everywhere that you've never been is foreign to you until you get there. Anybody that's ever moved will tell you that, that when you first get there or you go to somebody's house for the first time, you might need directions two or three times. And everything seems foreign to you and uncomfortable. But as soon as you know your way around, it it becomes second nature. Jesus. My, My heart cry to you is don't remain. Don't remain allowing God's presence to be foreign to you. Learn your way to navigate around his heart this morning. Learn how to navigate the Father's heart. Learn how to recognize his presence in your life. See, there's a, there's a moment where your emotions betray you, but there's also a moment where your emotions aid you, where you allow your emotions to line up with heaven. And when your emotions line up with heaven, he can take over. And there should be a moment in your life where you cultivate such an atmosphere of his presence in your life that your emotions no longer have any control or dictation over who you are and what you do. Can, can I just say this? You don't think there's Sundays where I don't want to preach? That I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to preach this morning. I don't want to preach this morning. I have Sundays like that. I don't want to preach this morning. You know what I don't do? I don't ever wake up on a Sunday anymore and say, I don't want to go to church. I may not want to be the one that has to lead. I may be in a place where I just want to get fed. But there's never a Sunday I wake up and say, nah, I don't want to go. Okay, so that's my, that's my journey. But there are Sundays where I don't want to preach. So that's my journey. Maybe you're in a place where it's like, ah, I don't want to go to church on Sunday. There's others, ah, I don't want to go. Do you know what? I had that. Before I was in this position, there would be moments in my life where I didn't want to go. I don't want to go this Sunday. Do you know what? I have never in my life went to church on a Sunday where I didn't want to go and I drug my butt to church and thought at the end of that service, yep, I was right, I shouldn't have gone. Never. Never. Maybe some of you were at that uh, church where you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have gone today. Okay, it can happen. But I have never got through a service and thought I should not have gone to church today. I should not have stopped. There are times where I don't want to pray. And if we're honest, every one of us have had a moment in our life where we don't want to press in. We don't want to pray. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't want to, we don't want to do the things it takes to get intimate with him and know who he is. There are always moments in our life like that. But I have never once stopped and prayed and thought, I should not have prayed. 
Maybe you went to a really bad church and you're like, no, I shouldn't have gone that Sunday. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it can happen. I've been to a couple Sundays where I'm like, that needs a do-over. That was not okay. Okay? But I've never once stopped and prayed in my life and thought I shouldn't have prayed. Any of you? But all of us are guilty of saying, I don't want to pray right now. Right? You've been frustrated, been angry, and someone's like, well, you know what you need to do? You need to pray through it. And I'm like, Aah! Paul said, the things I ought to do, I do not. But the things that I ought not to do, I do. It is a process. But we have to start winning that process. Amen? We have to start becoming victorious in our process. We cannot just become complacent if we want to overcome our situations. It is no longer okay in this season to be a couch Christian. Look, let me just say it. Some of you guys that belong in this building right now that are watching online, it's not okay. It's just not okay. It is not okay to isolate yourself from the people that will build you up and act like it's okay just to go, I don't want to go this Sunday. There is a, and I'll chase every one of you. I'm telling you, there's something stirring in my heart. And I just said this earlier today. When I read Jesus, you know what I read about his church growing strategy? It was to empty the building as quickly as he could. Every single time he built a crowd, he, he drove them off. 5,000 people showed up to hear him preach and they chased him down. And they said, we want to make you king. And he says, oh, you just want me to give you more bread. But what I have is the bread of heaven, the bread of life the word of God, that's what you're going to get from me. And they left disappointed. 5,000 people showed up on a Sunday. He didn't have a follow-up strategy. He didn't send them text message to say, thank you for visiting this morning. Can I tell you about our children's ministry and the Bible studies we have? He didn't have a follow-up, 10-point follow-up strategy for bringing new guests into the church. He said, what I'm giving you is eternal. And if you want it, it'll cost you something. Do you want it? And they left. His own disciples, the ones that had committed to follow him, the ones that had already said, I give up everything and I follow you, until it got real. And he went to him and he says, you even have to hate your mother and your brother and your father and your sister. You gotta hate every, you got to follow me. You got to leave it all. You got to lay it all down and die. And they said, whoa, now that's a little bit too. Now you're getting overboard and we're gone. And Jesus turned to him and said, will you leave me too? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. Jesus grew his church down. And then Christianity exploded all over the world through 12, through 120 who showed up at Pentecost, through 12 leaders and 120 who showed up at Pentecost. He preached to crowds of 5,000. 500 eyewitnesses of his resurrection. 500 people saw the risen Messiah. 120 showed up to the service. How many of you guys would like to think that if you saw Jesus resurrected in front of you and saw him put to death and saw him resurrected that you might show up to the service that Sunday? You might go to church that week. 120. One-fifth of those that saw him risen and wrote about their encounter showed up to service. And the question has to be this. 
Are you going to be the one that shows up? Are you going to be the one that says, I'm in? Are you, are you just going to be the one that just flip-flops your whole life and then wonders why you never got anywhere and your wheels spun? Look, I'm trying. what I have to offer you guys is the keys that have led me to where I am that have led me to an intimate place with God. If you watch my ministry and you see the way that God has just supernaturally exploded in my life, I don't make myself special. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. But what I'm doing is I'm taking all the things that God has put in me that's birthed this in me and trying to hand it to you. And some of you swat it out of my hands and say, I don't want any part of that. I just want to check church off a box. Let me be real clear. I will close this doors of this place before I ever allow this church to be a check it off the box church. I got a few. I got 12. I got 12. And I'll start over with 12 every single time. I tell you what, I would rather take 12 people around the world and spend my time pouring into them than beating my head against the wall trying to do 120 that won't pay attention. I can take 12 people and I can turn you into something. I can make you victorious. I can make you successful. I can build you up. I can make you crazy dangerous to the army of darkness. I can do that to 12 that will follow me, but I won't do that with, an, with 120 that make it tough on me. I, I'm just being around. They're like, man, dang, you're mean today. <laughs> I started out funny, remember? You guys got to get, Okay. I'm just tired of watching you lose. Can I just be real? I am tired of watching you lose. I am tired of getting text messages that says, Pastor, pray for me, I'm so attacked. You know who armies attack? Weaker armies. Armies attack armies they think they can beat. Soldiers attack soldiers they think they can beat. Nobody takes a fight they don't think they can win. Nobody. Why are you so attacked? Because you look weaker to the enemy. We have to be people that look tough. Okay, I could use some other words, but it's church. All right? It's about time. For Goliaths to tremble from us. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you guys know that Goliath was not scared of David? But the rest of that Philistine army spent the rest of their lives trembling before that man who killed Goliath. Goliath didn't get it, but the army got it. And for the rest of David's life, he pursued the Philistines. And they trembled when they heard that David was coming. When the enemy attacks you, it is time to make your name known so the enemy will spend the rest of your life running from you. But what do you do? You run from them and you run into Saul's tent. You run into the king, the, the prophet. You run into the, the, the pastor's house and say, how many is attacking me? There's nothing wrong with asking for prayer. But what you should be doing is like David, gathering your mighty men to come fight with you, not hiding behind them saying, help! And we spend most of our time begging other people to fight our battles. Because when the moments were there for us to rise up, we didn't show up to the battle. 
We didn't show up to pray. We didn't show up to church. We didn't show up to the extra things. We didn't show up and get fed. We didn't show up to the power hour. We didn't do anything to be fed. We didn't do anything to grow. We didn't spend time training. And then we wonder why we can't win. Come on, this is Holy Spirit because this is not my message. I'm not in my message. He's not, it's not in my message. There has to be something that shifts, and I'm just going to be brutal. I don't care. There has to be something that shifts because I'm sick and tired of seeing people lose. You don't think I get attacked? You don't think stuff happens to me? I refuse to lose. If something happens and it looks bad, I just might not understand it yet because the enemy doesn't have any authority over me. He doesn't get to handle me. He doesn't get to drive me off or run me off. When the enemy attacks, I simply say, oh, you must be new here. You must be a new demon on assignment. Maybe you didn't get the memo of who they assigned you to because I made the last guy retire. All right? And it's time to send you back where you belong. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, ah, you didn't get the memo. Why do you think you're the fourth one assigned to me this week? Because I burned the other ones to the ground, all right? And you, you I'm going to make a play toy out of. You have to start being that kind of people. That when the enemy attacks, you say, oh, ah, Goliath tried to attack David. And all David had was some stones for free out of a river, right? And a little leather sling. And he looked at Goliath and said, oh, man, I'm going to get me a sword and a spear by the end of the day. He went and got new weapons. Some of you are like, I don't have no weapons. Then go take them from the guy attacking you. That's what you have to be. That's what you have to be. There has to be a moment where you're ready. But stop showing up to battle not ready. Stop ditching training. Stop not being a part of it. Look, and I'm not just talking about Sunday morning church. I'm not just talking about that. Okay, it is amazing to me how many people will message me and say, how do I do this? How do I do that? They want me to give them personalized advice, but I covered it all week. Every single night live at eight o'clock. Every single night I gave them tips and tools and, and you know what I do? I don't answer their question. I point them back to the service they missed. Go watch what you should already know. See, you're in a battle right now that you should already beat. The enemy should have came and said, no, they know what they're doing, never mind. Okay? If you're equipped, the battle never even gets started. Okay? I got into an argument on Pastor Alan Hawkins' Facebook page. Right? I started with somebody and they asked me, are you guys going to do social distancing for the OSI conference? And, uh, and he wanted to start arguing. And so I said something. I said, well, uh, he said, Oklahoma City's you know, this and this and this. And I said, well, we're not in Oklahoma City. We're, we're in a different county. So I was like, boom, won that one. Mr. Try to come in here from some other state, ain't coming to our conference, but want to start trouble. Okay. So I'm like, we're not even in that county. And he wrote back, he actually got me. He wrote back and he's like, so what about the service over at Crestwood? I'm like, oh, I'm just, and so I'm like, who is this guy thinking that he can just like start arguing with me on whether we should have a conference? And so I go to his page and I'm like, who is this guy? Thinks he's some kind of expert. He's a retired epidemiologist. <laughs> and for all you ones in the room that didn't go to school or went to uh, public school, uh, that's a person. <laughs> all the kids in here are like, oh, what's an epidemiologist? Don't look. Don't look all offended, Rose. No, I'm looking at you. 
I'm calling you out. Don't look at me all offended and you don't know what I'm saying. I'm right. <laughs> She's like, yeah, he's right. He's right. Okay, he's not wrong. An epidemiologist is someone who studies infectious disease or in disease, okay? Half the adults, oh. Everybody should know that during the Rona, okay? Everybody should have all these terms down, okay? Hallelujah. I'm gonna do it towards the end, okay? Yeah, so. Right? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna check and see if you know what that word is later. No, no, none of the rest of them knew it either, okay? You're just the only one that made the offended face, okay? So, so I get in his argument. How do you guys realize at that very moment when I saw he's a retired epidemiologist that I decided I was in a fight I couldn't win, right? I was not trained and equipped to win that battle. I did not wear the epidemiologist. And while I consider myself somewhat of an educated person, especially in the scientific world, Okay, just watch my science series if you want to see what I know. I realize that I might be out of my league for this conversation. Okay? And so I just shut my mouth and walked away from it. I'm like, nope, not even going to reply. And you know what? He didn't, he didn't come after me anymore. He just want, he was going to, but he was going to win. How many of you guys did the enemy come after you and you just kind of shut your mouth because you don't know how to win? And you just let him run you over. And you're like, well, I'll give him that victory and I'll just go somewhere else and try to find some success over here and I'll just give him that ground and that territory in my life. Right, because you don't know what to say. You don't know what to speak. You don't know how to come back because you have not learned how to be equipped and trained to fight, to win. Some of you, some of you are very equipped and trained in how to fight. You're just not equipped in how to win, okay? There's like, there's like, there's like a dozen husbands in this room that wives are like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thinks he knows how to fight, but I win, right? The wives are all like, yep, I win. That's the way it works, right? Sometimes you guys are fighting and he doesn't even realize they're fighting. Sometimes, sometimes you're like, you know, you just need to stop arguing with me. And you're like, I didn't know we were in an argument. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I did, right? You know, it's true. That's why so many times us men, we are so focused. I think by birth, we instinctually understood you cannot win against your wife. So just by default, our objective is hear nothing but what I'm looking at. Okay? Right? Because every time my wife comes in the room and she's like, you don't even listen to me. And I'm like, that's a weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> my family, no, she doesn't ever do that. But uh, my family has been trained and conditioned my tr- family has been trained and conditioned to understand that if I am staring at something, that I don't hear anything you say. If I am typing, yeah, I, I have that. You guys ever seen the movie Click? You know when he gets put on automatic, when he fast forwards or rewinds in that movie, he goes on to automatic? I have automatic when I'm staring at something. So if I'm typing or reading something or doing something like that, I will answer you. And later on, I'll be like, why did that happen this way? What, what, where, why, where are you going? And they're like, I told you I'm going here. You asked me what time I would be back and then told me it was okay. I'm like, I have no recollection of that conversation at all. You're grounded. You're grounded. And you think I'm exaggerating. She'll tell you I'm not even exaggerating. I will ask questions and it's all on automatic. I don't know what you said because my focus is somewhere else. Okay? 
How many of you guys are like that? That's where you focus. Every guy in this room. Some of them were thinking of different thoughts, so they heard nothing I said just now. They're like, what? Guy in the room, I think he's talking to me again. Don't lie. You guys go home, listen to the sermon 18 times just to get halfway through it, to remember something because you get distracted, okay? I do it too. I'm like, I'm really going to focus on this. And then thoughts come and distract me. That's what happens. It happens. I get it. It's normal, all right? But here's the truth. If we want to begin to be people that speak victory, if we want to be people that begin to speak things that actually create a future that has merit and value to it, if we want to begin to fulfill the callings on our life and not live defeated all the time and not live powerless and empty, and not live powerless and empty. Look, I, I know that I started out being harsh, but I'm getting hopeful, okay? So is that okay? It's, it's, it, you, when, when I start out hopeful, you're like, oh, he's going to get harsh. But I started out harsh, so now I can get hopeful. All right? So I made you guys go, oh, all right, we'll pay attention. All right? <laughs> it's like, I'm never coming back. He's mean to me. He's mean to me. Mean to me. We'll have cupcakes after. You'll feel better. Uh, so. Somebody go to the store and get some cupcakes. The women are mad. The women are mad. There's a revolt. Oh, I'm going to have a Mustang protest now, but it's about cupcakes. I was just kidding. Sorry. We, uh, we have trail mix. Wait, we have trail mix. We have those little healthy, we have those little healthy uh, snack bars in the kitchen in there. We'll have snackies. We'll have snack time. Okay? How's that? Right now, we can distribute snacks. Everyone get comfy. We'll get you blankets. It'll be a great day, okay? <laughs> See, I was not equipped for this battle. I did not prepare. I just showed up unarmored. And you wonder why I'm losing. Gosh, that's the best illustration that I could have think of. I'm just going to multiply it. I'm prepared for that. I've seen lots of miracles. I'm ready for that one. That's it. Just someone get me one cupcake. I will come around and feed each one of you. And by the time you're done, you will all be fat from cupcake. And we will know that the Lord had come. And there there will be leftover cupcake. All right, listen here, cupcake. All right. All right, look, I was talking about something. I don't even know anymore. All right, so look, here's the thing. Whatever I'm looking at is what I'm paying attention to. And then I have this amazing ability along with most men, just, most men, just to blind everything else out. Everything else does not come in. Anything that is in my peripheral does not matter. And, and I gauge that what I'm looking at is the focus, is what's important that's in front of me. And so everything else coming from sides does not have any relevance. Not even that I should turn my head and have to address it. So I'm built that way where anything that's coming from the sides does not have value to me. But only what I'm looking at. Only the mission ahead of me. The thing ahead of me. And what happens is is that you guys need to understand we're talking about words that are coming out of our mouth. Okay? And words don't just come out of your mouth from nowhere. They spring up from somewhere. And so we talk about what we should say, but the reality is, is that words that come out of our mouth come either out of two places. 
our spirit or our mind. That's where they come from, right? You thought it, you said it. Some of you didn't think about it long enough, but you said it, okay? Some of you have, some of us, so I'll say us, because I do it too. Some of us have this problem where we think it and say it at the same time and then afterwards think, I shouldn't have said that, right? Yeah, right? If you don't know, your wife will let you know you shouldn't have said that. That's how it works, okay? And, but they come from a place of either our spirit or our mind, okay? And that can also be a mixture of our soul. But depending on where our emotions are, depending on where our mind is at, is the thoughts that generate from our mind. And so if we, if we learn about how words matter, but we don't learn about controlling our thoughts or, or having our thoughts be submitted to Christ, then we're always gonna have things pop out of our mouth that are contrary to the word of God. Our thoughts have to be lined up with the word of God. What comes into our mind needs to be lined up with the word of God. And here's the thing. What you see will determine what you think. What your eyes are on, your ears will hear. And what your ears hear, your mouth will speak. You understand that? Let me give you an illustration here. How many of you guys watch a TV show or a movie or something this week? Hands up. It's okay. I, do, I did too. Everyone's like, no, I'm not saying nothing. He's been mean. <laughs> right? How many of you guys watched the Power Hour this week, my broadcast? A lot of you. Okay, but... Okay, you ruined my illustration. <laughs> now I can't pick on you. Wow, impressive. Why don't you throw a comment up there? Let me know you're there. Hi. Huh? Okay, there you go. There you go. So how many guys showed up to Rachel's morning prayer? Don't lie. Okay, one, two. Because I know how many are on there. It's like five, ten. Yeah, I know they are. All right, yeah, I see Billy's. Yeah, you were late. You came after. See, I know. <laughs> okay, so... So here's the thing. I have this impulse when I get up in the morning. Maybe someone's like me. I get up in the morning and I'm stumbling, right? And I'm like this, you know, maybe splash some cold water. And I'm looking, I'm like, coffee? Do I need coffee? Do I need coffee? And I grab my phone and I'm like, What's, do I have any messages on Facebook? Oh, that's a nice post. And like the first thing, my first reaction is to scroll. Anybody do that like me? It's okay if you do. I'm not, I'm not gonna yell at you, Okay. Yeah, like, like I want to scroll and I'm like, man, I shouldn't do that first thing in the morning. I should give my first attention to God. I need to stop just grabbing my phone to see what message they are because what happens is, is and in success, if you're learning about self-help or success uh, or learning about business or anything like that, one of the things they will teach you right away is do not allow other people's agenda to control yours. Okay, so you have a set of goals and tasks that you want to accomplish that day. And if you start your day by opening up your email or checking your messages or all of that, you will, you will react to other people's messages instead of responding to the goals that you've set. Okay, and, and so that's what will happen. You'll spend your whole day in reactive mode. And so you learn to not be in control because if you are reacting, you are not in control. You need to understand that you are not in control if you are reacting to everything. I say this all the time, but we cannot spend our lives reacting to the devil. We cannot spend our lives being firefighters and trying to put out every fire he starts or we'll never start the fires we were called to light. We are fire starters, not firefighters. We should not be putting out everything he does. Just go light something bigger. Okay? 
So I try not to be reactive. So I like, Lord, you know, just help my thoughts be on you. But the truth is, is that whatever you're looking at will become what you think about. And so you watch a TV show. How many guys have done this? You watched a TV show and that's what you dream about, right? Right before you go to bed. And maybe, you know, even Rachel came to me one night. We were, we were, we were, we were up late and we're like, you want to watch something? And I'm like, yeah. So we found this space show on Netflix. And we're like, oh, it's a space show. And they're going to go find first contact. And I'm like, that seems fun and sci-fi. And I like sci-fi. So we start watching it. And like, I don't know, episode two or something. I fall asleep. And in the morning, Rachel says, we can't watch that show. And I'm like, what happened? She's like, we can't watch shows like that anymore. And I said, what happened? And she goes, they caught an alien bug. And it was like demonic. And she goes, and it was like this horrible, awful. And I'm like, what? It seemed like a cool space show. The space shuttle is breaking apart. We need to spin around the sun. You know, like that kind of, right? And then all of a sudden there's like alien, you know, things and, and scariness. And she's like, it's, it was like demonic. And I'm like, I didn't know. I fell asleep. We didn't know. And she goes, look, we can't watch that stuff late at night anymore, especially if we don't know what we're going to see. She goes, because then it dominates our dreams, our thoughts, and we wake up with that kind of stink on it. And she goes, look, we just got to like watch like learning stuff if we're going to fall asleep to it at night. Okay, documentaries and stuff. Huh? Yes, it changes the atmosphere of our home, of our life, because what we see what we see will become what we hear, and what we hear will become what we think, and what we think becomes what we speak. Do you understand? You have to go, and I'm not being religious. You guys know me long enough now, you know I'm not religious, okay? I'm not like, uh, you know, you dang kids today, all right? Like, I'm not one of those guys at all, but I am saying this. You have to guard your ears and your eyes. You have to guard your ears and your eyes, and I'm not being religious, don't take me that way. Understand that if Pastor Ren is saying that, that maybe he's discovered something and realized like, hey, this is toxic to my soul. Because I don't care who you are. If what you take in, here, here's the truth. You ready for this? How many guys eat food? How many guys, just like four of you? <laughs> don't make me call you out, all right? Don't make me call you out, all right? Some of you don't have a 21-inch waist. You're eating food. All right, you ain't sticking bone. Someone like, I ain't eating no food today. He didn't say today. <laughs> you guys got to be responsive, okay? Listen, quick to raise, quick to praise, all right? That's how it works. You, you want to get out of here on time? Quick to raise, quick to praise. Don't make me drag it out, all right? How many of you guys eat food? <laughs> All right, there you go. So we eat food, all right? Here's the truth about food. Maybe you weren't aware of this, but whatever you take in comes out. I'm gonna let some of you process that for a second. That was two puns if you didn't catch the second one. Um, but I'm, all right, so look, whatever you take in will come out. That's how it works. Whatever goes in you comes out of you. And a lot of times it doesn't come out better. All right? So what you take in, that's a cheap joke right there, okay? But I'm just going for the cheap ones today. All right, so look, whatever you take in will come out. So if what you are absorbing is what the world wants you to see. I promise you, not only will it come out, but it'll come out worse. All right, you have to understand that whatever your eyes see will come out of you. Whatever you hear other people say will, will come out of you. And some of you guys know that because you have children and you're like, oh, I should stop saying that. 
right? It's really cute when they're like two and bossing you around. It is not cute when they're 12. And they're like, but mommy, you said I was cute when I told you what to do. Yeah, it ain't cute no more. Okay? Some of you need to realize that what comes out of your mouth, or excuse me, what comes into your eyes, goes into your mind, and comes out of your mouth. That's what happens. And if you want to be a person that speaks life, then you have to take in life. If you want to be a person that speaks victory, then you have to take in victory. If you want to be a person that speaks love, then you have to take in love. You cannot spend all your time taking in hate, hurt, anger, frustration. And here's the reality is, not only do you take that in with your eyes and your thoughts, because you don't take your thoughts captive. All right, look, sometimes stuff comes in your eyes. That's why the Bible gave us a way out. It was a scripture called, take every thought captive. He understood that sometimes it would get in your way, but your job was to battle it and cage it. And some of you are just sitting there listening to it in its cage and you haven't really taken it captive. And so you're allowing the enemy to speak to you. So you, you saw it, it happened. All of us have been to Walmart. We've all seen a thing or two, all right? I said a thing or two because I saw a thing or two. We've all seen a thing or two. But it doesn't mean we have to do this. Oh. Right? Now, now, every guy in here understands that. We're like this. Oh! 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 They're burned. Oh, they're burned. All right? But we can't look away. Come on, do I got some guys in here that honestly, like, you see something, it's horrendous, and you still can't look away. <laughs> Everyone online's like, I don't know what they're laughing at. He said, like, sharing a smell. This is getting out of hand. All right, so, uh, but it's so true. What is that? Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm a lamb with a powerful point now. Whatever is in your atmosphere will get in you, okay? That's what happens. Whatever is in your atmosphere will get in you. Whatever you see, whatever you smell, whatever you touch, whatever you're surrounded by, you'll surrender to. Whatever you are surrounded by, you will surrender to. And you need to understand that your eyes are the window to the soul, right? I mean, what you take in. So if we want to speak powerfully, then we need to be people that see powerfully. We need to make sure that what we see what we hear, what we do is lined up with the word of God. That's what we need to do. It needs to be lined up with the word of God. So if we are taking in the word of God, if we are taking in the holy things of God, if we are surrounding ourselves with positive, with powerful, with prophetic, with anointing, then what do you think is going to come out of you? What do you think is going to come out of you? It can't help but come out of you. When you surround yourself, you know, Chas likes to come up to me when, she, when, she, when I'm in an anointed moment. She's like, man, the power of God is coming out. She'll come and she'll come up to me and she'll just rub my elbow. Come on, get up here, get something, because I'm on it. She does it all the time. And she's like, I just, wanna, I just want a little bit of whatever you're leaking right now. Like, I just want a little bit of that. And so she'll come up and she'll do that as an act of like, hey, I want what you're, what you're carrying right now. 
because she wants to be in the atmosphere that changes her in a way that she's looking to be changed by. But so many times what we do is we complain about our atmosphere, but we're not willing to be changed by it. We're not willing to be changed by the good atmosphere. We want to sit and camp in the bad atmosphere. And there are moments when you have choices about atmosphere. And, and Shoshana preached this amazing message on deeper waters. You guys got to go watch it if you have not watched deeper waters. I'm telling you, it's powerful. But she preached over my message, so I had to kind of change it a little bit. But I'll speak part of it. Because I'm like, ah, oh, that's what I was going to say. So uh, she goes first now. So it used to be the other way. Um, so, Kate, Kate, you know, you have the story of Moses who he's saying we need to go into the promised land and he sends 12 spies to go investigate it, all right? And Caleb is one of the ones that comes back. And out of the 12 spies, two of them, two of them say we can do it. The other 10 give a bad report. You guys know this story, right? So there's 10 of them that say, we can't do it. There are giants in the land. They're gonna kill us. No way we can do this. And the other two say, we can do it, right? Let's gonna work, teamwork. All right, we can do this. We can work. <laughs> All the parents with young kids are like, yay. Okay, all right. So, so we, we can make this, so they say we can make this happen. But who do the Israelites listen to? They listen to the bad report. They take in the bad report. And it actually tells us that that night, okay, that was on the 8th, of Av, the month of Av, the Hebrew month of Av. It was on the 8th of Av that that report came back and they said, it's bad. And the 10, and it says that night, the start of the 9th of Av, and you can learn more about this in Shoshana's message. The 9th of Av, the children of Israel cried out aloud and believed the negative report. So because they took in a negative report, they began to speak out negativity. So what they took in became the words in their confession. And they confessed out things that they had taken in. And the ninth of Av actually ended up becoming this marker in Jewish history of the Jewish people. They were no longer allowed to enter the Holy Land. In fact, God said, because you have believed this negative report, because you have spoken it out, none of you will enter the promised land. Not your generation. The next will. I'll give it to Caleb and Joshua but you will not set foot in it. The two that spoke the positive report, they'll go in, but none of you. So they missed out on their promise because they listened to the negative and repeated it. And it came out of them. And that ninth of Av actually became a history marker. Do you know almost every bad thing that ever happened to the Jewish people happened on the ninth of Av? It happened on the ninth of Av. Both temple destructions that happened by the Jewish people happened on the 9th of Av. Most of the terrible things in the Holocaust happened on the 9th of Av. Go listen to her message. You'll hear about it. So this ninth day of the month of Av became a marker to the Jewish people where almost every terrible thing that ever happened to them happened on that day. It was the day they believed the negative report against God and what God had promised them. See, there's always gonna be people that come into your life that speak against the promise God has placed on your heart. And when you take their negative report in and believe it, it will only reap destruction in your life. That's why I'm so against gossip in church. That's why I believe that gossip is the most destructive thing that a church can have happen in it. Okay, because I know what happened to the children of Israel when the 10 gossiped. But they were just giving their opinion. It could have been true. Gossip is not defined by whether it's true or false. 
It's just defined whether it lines up with God's will or not. Is it negative or is it positive? Is it heavenly or not? Is it whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is holy, think on these things. Does it line up with good, holy, lovely, of good report? Does it encourage? Does it equip? If it doesn't, then taking it in is destructive. I've talked about this before, but that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They took in a bad report. The enemy came and said, God doesn't want you to be like him. Who was the enemy speaking bad of? He didn't say anything negative about Eve. He didn't come and attack Eve. He didn't come and attack Adam. He came and attacked God. Adam and Eve fell because they believed the rumor about God. Because they simply took in information that was not of a good report. When you listen to gossip, it does not kill the person you're gossiping about. It kills you. It brings death into your life when you listen. Guard your ears. When someone comes up, did you hear about what so-and-so did? No, I did not. And you're going to stop right now because I'm not letting any of that in my ears. If it's not that they led 50 people to Jesus this week, then don't say it. I don't want to hear it. Well, but it's true. I don't care. I'm not interested in death coming into my life because it happened. They might have had some death enter their life, but I'm not interested in passing it down. And that's what happens is, see, what happens is we want to gossip about how someone else died, someone else sinned, someone else failed. Well, do you ever think that maybe they failed because they let someone else say something to them? And it just keeps going. It keeps going. And they're like, oh, did you hear about, did you hear about Crystal? Did you hear what she did? Yeah, she was doing that crystal. Yeah. You, you didn't hear about that? It just worked. It worked. So uh, it was the first one. So you, you listen to that. Because someone else might have told her, you know what, you're never going to amount to nothing. And she listened to that. Because that guy got told you're going to never amount to nothing. And so the lie keeps getting passed down. The gossip keeps getting passed down. The negative thoughts get, get passed down. And so you hear it or you see it, you think it, and it releases out of your mouth and it keeps the perpetual cycle of death going. Your words matter both ways. And so we need to be people that overcome that. Guard your ears. Guard what you hear. Guard what you see. And here's the truth. You need to be promise carriers. Let me just say this, and I'm going to close real soon, like in just a minute. I really mean it. Those are not idle words, okay? Yeah, we're going to close with that. So I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to let Crystal close it. So you'll see I'm out of the way. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. Idle words. We can't be people that just allow ourselves to live in idle words. We can't speak empty words anymore. We have to be, see, here's the thing. Idle words only come from idle people. They come from empty people. Empty words come from empty people. That's where they come from. You are not an empty person if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have accepted God, if you have come to Christ, if you have been repentant, then you are not empty. You have the spirit of God living in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Therefore, you are not empty. And if you are not empty, then empty words cannot come out of you. 
which means you can't be idle in your words. You cannot allow empty and idle words to be released out of your mouth. You're meant to be a promise carrier. You're meant to be a promise carrier. God has given you a promise. When you were redeemed by the blood of the lamb, there was a promise placed in you. The same way that the children of Israel had a promise placed inside of them. Do you know why God had to wipe out everybody from the promised land? Why, why they said go in there and get rid of all of them. Because you cannot have empty people that do not carry a promise in a promised land. Only promise carriers can be promise livers. They can, only promise carriers can be inhabitants of a promised land. If you're a promised person, if you carry the promise of God in you, then you're the only ones that can step into a promised place. Stop allowing other people's empty and idle words to keep you out of the promised land. You are allowing empty people that cannot go with you to tell you not to go because they can't go. They can't go. You can. Because you're a promise. You know, that's not the way it works. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. Everybody's losing money in the stock market. Everybody. Well, not me. Why not? Because I'm a promise keeper. Because I'm a promise giver. I live in promise. So you know what? I found the one stock that had promise. That's where my money went. Because I live in promised lands. So everybody else's stock dropped. Mine went through the roof. That's how it worked. How many of you guys have 401ks and they went down during that whole period right there, right? Some of us did. Not mine. You know why? Because I knew it's a pandemic. I got Netflix stock. <laughs> Ain't selling that. Everything started to dip. Netflix went down for like three days. And I'm like, just wait. Everybody's home. They're signing up. And sure enough, it took off and doubled. You know why? Because I understand what promise looks like. And I understand empty people. I do. I understand that everyone's stuck at home. Empty people in the world that carry no promise, what are they going to do? They're going to fill themselves with idle words. They're going to fill themselves with idle visions, idle thoughts. And they're going to take in a lot of idle. And so they're just watching Netflix. So I'm just taking the wealth of the wicked and inheriting it to the righteous. Come on. Right? I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. That was my thought going into it. Why? Because I'm a promise carrier. And I understand that that wealth doesn't belong to them. It belongs to me. It doesn't mean I don't face hardships. All of you guys know the hardships that we face, the, the struggles we've gone through. Right? You guys know that Rachel, in the middle of this COVID thing, our main source of income was her, was her job, and she lost her job in the middle of this. So someone can say, how are you blathering on about all this, Pastor Wren? When, when, when you face this whole thing and you face suffering and all that, our plan was to have her in full-time ministry. We can't do it in this room. There's no way financially we could do that. There's no way. But I believe that God is a promise keeper. And I believe my God will make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. And I said, Lord, I know that the enemy doesn't have any hold on me. And I know that what he comes against me with will ultimately lead to his defeat. So I realized that today might have seemed like a battle, but the situation is still going on and I've slept on it. So if tomorrow there's still a fight, then this must not be a fight. This must be your will. Because I woke up tomorrow and I was still in the same situation. She still didn't have a job and we had to figure out where the money is going to come from. That's what happened. So I woke up the next day and said, well, hold on a second. We didn't have a miracle breakthrough the same day. I'm serious. This is my thought process. And it went on to day two. And I'm like, Psh. 
no solution? I know who I am, and I have already thrown a stone at Goliath. What do you mean he's still standing? I must not be processing this right. So I went back to the throne, and I went back before God, and I said, Lord, is this a fight? What do you think he said to me? No, this is my blessing over your life. You want her to be in full-time ministry? Here you go. I said, but Lord, I had a six-month plan. <laughs> he says, well, I didn't. And he goes, your plan starts today. Start doing it. And I said, you don't want her to find another job? Nope. She even came to me after like a week, and she's like, hey, we never really talked about it. Am I supposed to be looking for another job? And I said, you want to be in full-time ministry or not? And she goes, well, yeah. And I said, we're not throwing another idol in front of God. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not throwing an idle job in front of God and saying, well, God, we don't trust you. You can take care of this. No, no, no. I'm like, okay, when the money runs out, you better have provided. If this is your will, then you'll make a way. That's how it works. When I cross into a promised land, I expect to encounter a wall at Jericho. I expect that as we move forward into this, there's going to be obstacles and things in our way. And I understand that I have the words in my mouth to shout at walls and make them fall. And then everything inside becomes mine. I understand that. So the provision I'm looking for is in my next battle. And the next time I face a battle, I'm going to get everything the enemy meant for me. I'm going to take his sword. I'm going to take his trousers. I'm going to take his helmet. Okay? I'm taking it all. Looks good on me. Okay? Looks good on me. It's Goliath, right? So <laughs> It becomes my blanket. Okay? It becomes my blanket. Let me say this. So I trust God. I said, Lord, give me a different strategy. Let me fight differently. Because I realize this is not a, I, see, everyone else would be like, oh man, pray for Pastor Rennie struggling. And everyone messaged me. Hey, you know, people were messaging me and saying, hey, I've been praying for Pastor Rachel to find another job. And I said, stop praying for that. You're praying for the wrong thing. You're not helping at all. Don't pray for her to find another job. Pray that resources come in so she doesn't have to. And it was like, oh, adjusting my prayers. Like I got a bunch of those. Maybe some of you are like, he's talking about me. No, no, I got a bunch of them. I promise. Adjusting prayers now, realigned, you know? And, and I'm like, no, we're not praying for that. So we started getting more people on the power hour this week. Like the power hour has just grown. And all of a sudden, when people would only give, like I get done and be like, well, we got some stars, 25 cents, 25 cents. Woohoo! We got enough. We can go to Taco Bell, honey. Woo! We might not even have to get something from the dollar menu. I know, I know, I know. Guys are like that glutton pastor. Two ninety nine burrito. What is he thinking? All right, that's what it was before, and now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people are actually sewing in. People are actually sewing in. I looked at it and I'm like, are, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "This might pay our bill at the church." Like, it's sustaining us. So God all of a sudden is meeting our needs without me having to change anything, but just believe and make the confession of my mouth line up with him and his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I am just looking for his will. And so what I thought was a fight was my opportunity. See, sometimes Goliaths come against you and you see a 500 pound Goliath. Sometimes lions come against you and you see a 500 pound lion in the room and you think it's a 500 pound problem. And God says, that's a 500 pound opportunity that you're not taking. Those are opportunities. 
David had to fight a bear and a lion, but they were not fights. They were opportunities because they led him to Goliath and Goliath led him to the court of the king and the court of the king led him into being a king. The fulfillment of your destiny is on the other side of the wall of Jericho, but you don't know how to speak to that wall and tell it to fall. You're still rationalizing in your mind because someone else comes along and says, there's no way to climb up that wall. And you're like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way to dig under that wall. Yeah, there's no way. And so it stops you dead in your tracks instead of being a person that sees the plan of God instead of seeing what other people have seeded into you. Don't see what other people seed unless it's heaven's seeds. See what God is seeding into you. Speak life, declare it, but see it, hear it, watch it. Be a person that puts their eyes on the Lord, puts their eyes in the word, that puts their ears on his voice. I, I need you to catch this, and I'm gonna close right here, like seriously close it. I need you to catch this. I am not different than you. I am not special. I am not anointed beyond you and so too bad for you guys. In March, I started the power hour. And in March, I made a decision of what I wanted. In the midst of COVID, churches shutting down, ministries being decreased, I increased my own life. Because I just made a decision that I was after the Lord and I wasn't going to let the situation in front of me stop me. Do you understand? I wasn't going to let that stop me. And so I allowed it to grow. So the power hour became a place of revival for people. It became a stirring. And right now we're kind of shut down. You know, I mean, we're, we're open, but people still haven't come back to church. They're hit and miss. They're worried about stuff. They're scared of getting a cold. I'm just being real. They're scared of getting a cold. How many people in here got diagnosed positive for COVID? Look around. Right? Any of you guys hospitalized over it? No? You're over it, right? You guys do realize that once you get COVID for two months, you're more likely to get hit by lightning than be able to catch it again. Like it's almost impossible to catch it again. They say that, that it could last for two years, but for two months, they're sure. The chances of getting it again are ridiculous. So if you got it already, you're good. You can go everywhere you want. You don't have to mask up, okay? All right, that's the reality. But there are people that are still scared to come to church because they're afraid they're gonna catch the cold. You saw, there's a lot of hands that went up and you're all okay. And most of you probably got over it in two or three days. Maybe you got that chest thing that we all get. I don't remember a time, I don't remember a time where people didn't show up to church and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not gonna be coming to church for a while because there's the flu. I don't remember that ever. I'm, I'm not condemning anybody that's done that, okay? Just understand, I'm not, I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm saying you've been listening to the wrong words. What you've been taking in your eyes and your ears has been the world's version of everything. And you've allowed it to get in you and saturate and it's come out in your actions and what you've said. You've been listening to the wrong words. A lot of you caught it, got over it, went, oh, what the heck was I hiding for? Because I didn't want to feel yucky. I hid for months. I would have, I'm telling you right now, I was over it in like three days. 
I, if you take me back and say, you want to hide for three months or you want to be sick for three days? I will take the three days. I don't want anybody else dying of suicide, living in depression, uh, struggling, losing their jobs, losing their businesses, because I didn't want to have a chest cold for three days. I understand that it, it killed people. I, like, again, I'm not diminishing the virus. I'm not saying that it didn't have repercussions. But the same thing the flu does, the same thing pneumonia does, tuberculosis still killed more people this year than that. I'm not saying you don't take caution and you're not safe and smart and wise with how you handle yourself. What I'm saying is don't listen to the enemy. Don't take that in and believe that you are, you are destined to die because of something out there. Not in this place. Not today, Satan. None of my people are going to get like that because we take in the word of God because we live by the word of God. I'm not saying we're stupid about stuff. Be safe. Be cautious. Take Take precautions. Armor up when you go into battle. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're taking in the wrong information. You've been listening to all the wrong stuff. You keep listening to people that have empty words because they are empty. Do not listen to the advice of people that are empty. If they don't have the Holy Spirit in you, then they are not guided by the wisdom of God. And you have to be very careful because there are very few King Cyruses in the world that have something good to say but don't live for God. There are very few Pharaohs that will raise up Josephs even though they're not godly. God will use the empties, but you can't make that the default. You have to ask the Lord, Lord, this empty one over here, should I even listen to what they say? So at the same time, churches around the country shut down. Some of them staying closed all year. That's fine, okay? But at the same time, that governors in California are saying churches can't be open. They can't even sing. They can't sing. You can have service, but you can't sing. You can protest. You can scream, shout, and throw things, but you may not sing in church. Do we are we really going to be people that listen to that? You guys know I don't get political. This year I'm getting political. This will be a year you will hear politics from me because it's crossed a line into God's kingdom. They're trying to stop us from living out our faith. And that's where it crosses the line for me. Okay, you want to talk big government, small government, programs, no programs? I'm not getting into that from up here. You'll never hear that from me. But when they start telling me you may not worship your God, yeah, I'm all over that. We're going to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that thing. And you can throw me in the fire, but I will worship my God. And here's the thing you guys need to recognize. Some of you guys online need to realize is you've, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face the fire and you won't face the virus. Let me just be real. They were thrown into a fire. There's a virus that is a fire for you. And you can either be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or you can hide, bow down, and worship King Nebuchadnezzar all day. It's your choice. I'm just making, I'm serious. We make a choice on what we're going to do. The fire or the king. Pick one. Pick one. Both of them suck. Pick one. And if I were you, I'd pick the one that God can do something about. Right? So we're going to be people that, if the people are too afraid to come in here, we'll go out there. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.